Welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast with Alex Mead. I've invited sales, marketing, and business leaders to discuss their successes, failures, and everything else in between. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast. I'm Alex Mead, and I have two awesome guests today. Uh, they're from Evolved MD. We have uh, one of the co-owners and managing partners, Eric Oslin, and the head of strategy, Centauri Minor. Guys, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for so having us. So maybe, uh, Eric, we'll start with you. Maybe give me a quick introduction of, of, of who you are. Yeah, um, I'm a father, a husband, um, and I guess as Centauri would call me a serial entrepreneur, um, uh, but uh, born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a really unique feature if you've ever been to Phoenix, but, uh, uh, you know, post-college, uh, came back here to Phoenix, uh, worked my way up uh, in the healthcare um, sector, and uh, today um, doing a, uh, involved in a really exciting project related to mental health and the integration of behavioral health services and primary care. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're certainly going to dig into some of those uh, fun facts there. Centauri, what about you? Yeah, uh, similar to Eric, I'm also a Phoenix native, so grew up here in Phoenix, went to college in Indiana and came back. Um, so I've always been in the social impact space, really helping people kind of figure out how they want to engage around making a difference. And so when Eric uh, made the offer for Evolved MD, which is something I've never done anything in the healthcare space, but I was really excited about providing mental health to more people. I've always been very candid about my mental health and therapy journey. So the idea that more folks could um, engage in that has been really exciting. And so overseeing our, um, our branding, our culture, a lot of the strategy here, um, just excited to have this conversation. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's start there because you both kind of touched on this is kind of this strong desire or passion for um, behavioral services, mental health services and awareness. So I guess like maybe Eric, what led you to start Evolve MD? Like why, why this company and why behavior science, you know, behavior sciences to primary care? Well, I, I think, uh, I think it was, it was two things. Number one, I, I had spent 20 years in the healthcare sector working for some large publicly traded companies and um, although I had some success, um, you know, I started to looking looking around and and taking stock of what type of impact I was making and and what was important to me. And and although I was successful, call it monetarily, I just didn't feel as though um, I was really making any tangible impact in my community outside of maybe selling a widget. Um, and then that corresponded with a personal experience that I had with my own father. Um, which will kind of lead into the story of Evolved MD. Um, you know, I had experience that many Americans will have related to to aging parents and chronic illness and dementia and uh, ultimately depression and and all the things that revolve around that. And so, um, I think those are the things that ultimately led me down this path that uh, that has put us in the place now where we're hyper focused on behavioral health and behavioral health integration. So I don't know if you want me to go into the detail of the story, but it's a it's a fun one. But I'll I'll stop there. No, I mean that's that's really interesting. I think people that uh, people that start businesses that are also part of a a bigger story or a bigger, deeper passion, uh, you know, like uh, the reasons why are always really interesting. And and also, I think build better companies. It's not just a company to make a company, but there's like a very direct response in something you're trying to solve with a personal attachment to it. Um, so I think that's. You know, I think that's something that's missing from a lot of startups or a lot of companies um, is that kind of connection. 
So Centauri, you kind of mentioned a little bit of like a history of this. this is something new for you though? Um, like what, like maybe besides Eric, what led you to want to join Evolved MD? Ooh, there's a, a number of reasons. So I've, um, it's, I would say from a personal standpoint, it was really at probably around 25, 26 is when I first started. Yeah, probably about 26. I'm supposed to be seeing my therapist and I've had a couple of different therapists, but thinking about how impactful it's been and the, the line I always use today is I, I don't understand how folks get through their days without seeing a therapist. Um, and so the idea, again, of making this more accessible to to folks uh, in a world, especially where um, I think especially entrepreneurs and folks that are in this space don't spend enough time. They think enough they think about their businesses and their KPIs, but they don't think about them as the person who's running it. And so being in a space where we can give folks access to the things that are not only going to help their companies grow, but their, themselves grow uh, was really fascinating to me. And then this idea of being part of like a really fast paced startup um, was really exciting, really exciting. And Eric's just really cool. <laughs> All right. I said nothing. I said other reasons besides Eric, but uh, I'll accept that last one. So, uh, you know, Satar, you just mentioned a fast-paced startup. All right, Eric, so you started this in 2014 is what LinkedIn told me. So uh, tell me like, like, where, like, how did you get started? Maybe like uh, the, ver the version of where you, when you started, what you wanted to solve and like where you guys are now and talk about that journey a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, you, you noted it a little bit earlier about uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, the underlying passion has to be there and or connection. And, and I'll tell you, I think that that's where our story comes from. And I, and I think the reason that's important, is this is, you know, part of what I would tell another entrepreneur is, you know, most of us are lying to ourselves if you don't reach a point in time where you want to quit because you're frustrated or you're challenged with something. And, and it's that passion and that connection that, that carry you through. Um, and I think, you know, our story is, you know, really centered around that. And, and we talked about my, my father, um, and, and he was really the beginning of Evolved MD in the story. And, you know, at the time I had, I had, uh, I had just started an anatomical pathology lab where we uh, process tissue for, uh, for, for folks in different subcategories of healthcare. Um, I had a pharmacist that worked for me on a project and, um, it just so happened I had a father who was, was chronically ill. And, uh, you know, my dad had hypertension, onset dementia. Uh, he had uh, renal failure. He had, he had a lot of things that were going along. Uh, but he was also being managed on about 17 medications. And that sounds like a lot, but if you're chronically ill, you just see so many patients that have that type of load. And, and um, you know, for us as a family, there were a number of things that we were concerned with. Number one, you know, it, it, was dad just a real sick guy or was he a really sick guy that was on all these medications that were making things more complex? Um, we were concerned about my mother as the caregiver who was having to administer all these medications. Uh, and then there's the cost function. My parents are spending $1,000 a month out of pocket um, as Medicare beneficiaries to subsidize this. And so I had this opportunity to leverage a clinical resource within our organization uh, to look at a really cool model called medication therapy management. And what that model involves, um, and we're starting to see it on the marketplace now four years later, is you take a clinical pharmacist, so a PharmD, so a doctor of pharmacy, you embed them inside of a primary care practice or an internal med practice, and they work alongside the physician to manage complex chronically ill patients, and they do nothing more than focus on the medications. And that doesn't seem all that advanced, except when you look at the environment that we're in from a healthcare perspective, where 
your typical primary care provider is trying to see a patient every 15 minutes. Well, thorough med management just takes longer than that, unfortunately. And so uh, we ran a cursory model with my father. Uh, we got really good outcomes and we got really passionate about it. And so we took that model to the Arizona State Physicians Association and we said, find us a pilot site. We want to we want to try this in a real clinical setting. We'll go at risk. Um, and so they found us a site uh, in, uh, gosh, 2016. Um, we uh, hired another pharmacist to run the pilot. I actually did the patient intake uh, for the for the vast majority of that that period. So I did things like med reconciliation with people bringing their medications in in a brown bag. Um, and it was a really good experience. And, you know, there was a, a lot of takeaways. Number one, the clinical efficacy of that model in particular is huge. You know, you find a lot of things that are very basic around polypharmacy, which for non-clinical folks is, that means the patient's on the same medication twice. So two different doctors are prescribing the same thing. Uh, you find issues with dosing optimization. You find issues with compliance. The patients aren't taking their medications. And then there's this big piece around education. And those, those roles can all be fulfilled by a pharmacist. And so that's what we did. We managed 400 patients over six months. And um, the clinical output of that program was exceptional. Uh, but we also learned a very valuable lesson from a business perspective, which is healthcare is very complex. And if you don't have a finite mechanism to pay for these things, then it becomes very difficult to scale. So right. at the end of that pilot, we had to make a very difficult decision, which was, to put that program on the shelf because we couldn't scale it, we couldn't pay for it. But from that experience, we took away a couple of, of things. Um, number one, the business model that we had built to house that program would work to house other things, other subspecialties, other things that we could plug into these practices. Uh, and then on the clinical side, um, I can't take credit for this, but we made the decision to screen all of our patients for depression. And this is back in 2016 when it wasn't in vogue to do that. It just wasn't a thing we thought about. There was a lot of stigma involved. Um, and what we found there was that 80% of these patients that we managed all suffered from depression. And of that patient subset, none of them, like zero, had ever had a behavioral health resource. So uh, at that time, uh, we said, hey, there's something here. Let's take a look at it. Let's learn a little bit more about mental health and, and integration. Um, at that point in time, I had a longtime friend and um, and somebody that I really appreciate from a business perspective, my partner, Steve Bilgen. I reached out to Steve and I said, hey, I'm working on this project. I really need help getting into market. I can't get it there without you. Uh, will you come join the team? And so uh, Steve joined the team. Uh, we very quickly identified the model that we would use for integration. It's called Psychiatric Collaborative Care. Uh, it's a team-based approach that was designed specifically for uh, primary care setting. Uh, we went right back to the Arizona Physicians Association. We said, hey, guys, we've got another model we want to try. Uh, give us a shot. They were kind enough to find us another location. And um, we ultimately launched our first behavioral health integration pilot in uh, July of 2017. Uh, we ran that site for a full year just to kind of validate that we could deliver clinically while at the same time addressing all of our needs from an economic perspective. Um, and then we, we experienced one of the things that a lot of successful entrepreneurs experience, which is luck. We were lucky to be in the right state 
at the right time. Uh, the state of Arizona had received $300 million from CMS to help support the integration of behavioral services and primary care. Um, our initial pilot site submitted for that grant, they ultimately received funding. Um, and then as part of that grant, we expanded from one site to 12 sites over the next 12 months. And, um, and then other things began to happen. You know, we, we started to build a name for ourselves for quality and just the way that we delivered. And, um, you know, today we find ourselves in roughly 20 sites and, um, a lot of exciting growth on the horizon. So I don't know how much you want me to get into that, but you know, that is our story. That's, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, like that's entrepreneur 101 is, Something personally happens to you or that you see, you try to, you see a problem, you create a solution. Uh, that solution may not be the viable business model. So you shift it, but using the principles you learn to find a way that it is viable. Um, and I think that is, I mean, like we can, we can probably discuss the problems with healthcare another time um, that, you know, the, the pharmacist model should, you know, how, how many people would that help that, Unfortunately, you're right. There's no who's going to pay for it. Um, but I've, so what I want to ask you next is, so you so you mentioned you you were right place, right time, um, which is also, I think, uh, startup 101 of, of, of becoming successful. But you kind of talked about from 2017, you got your first site and then you went to 12. How did you how did you find 12 other sites? Like, what was that process? Was it you picking up the phone and saying, Hey, this worked really well here. You should try it. What was your, what was your sales approach? I mean, coming up from like a, you know, a sales approach, what, what were you doing to grow in those, you know, year span? You know, I, I mean, I'm fortunate to have had a lot of different experience in the sales and marketing arena. I mean, started as a sales rep out in the field, um, knocking on doors, um, and I went back to my roots. I just got the car going, left the air conditioning on and started knocking on some doors and talked about behavioral health and um, why it was important. And again, that was a different time back then where we don't see some of the adoption that we did now. So it was a tough slog. Um, I mean, it really was. Um, but it was just traditionally traditional selling, just, you know, talking to folks and you know, getting them to believe in us and what we're trying to achieve. And, you know, we were fortunate. There was a lot of folks that took chances on us when we weren't validated and no one really knew who we are. And, um, you know, we, we owe a lot of uh, debt of gratitude to those folks. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, especially in the last, you know, I don't know exactly how many years, but, you know, mental health, um, you know, both professional athletes, I mean, like in the news and the media, it's, it's not becoming a thing that you hide. It's becoming a thing that you, um, you know, we go back to athletes, if they injure their leg, they talk about how they injured their leg and they're fixing it and they're rehabbing it. And mental health shouldn't really be any different. Um, have, because of what's happening in mainstream media, I guess, or mainstream kind of uh, how we how we view it, have you noticed a shift where people are now coming to you for, for this? Have you guys reached that point where you have enough sites and now people are looking to add these things? Uh, yeah, I mean, today's a good example. Um, you know, we, we've been laughing, you know, we've been building momentum and we've been steadily growing, but we can see the wave building from a, from a marketplace perspective, you know, certainly what's happening with COVID-19 and prevalence rates, um, which are quite alarming, um, you know, that drives additional need for our types of services. So, 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I think the fact that athletes and celebrities are being more open is a big part of it. I think the other aspect is, you know, 10 years ago, most people would, most families wouldn't say, oh, I have, I have a family member with a mental health disorder. Now we all look around and we know that every single one of us is impacted and, and that's universal. Um, it could be a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, it could be a, you know, it could be a cousin, but, but it's all there. And, you know, right now with prevalence rates hovering at about 40%, you know, it's a really significant subset of the population. So, you know, again, I think we're fortunate to be in the spot where we are at right now because we're in a position to help more people. And I think we've, um, I'd I'd like to add, and I go back to the accessibility piece, we've done a really good job of just making it accessible. So the model works in that you're already receiving primary care, you go to your doc for whatever it is. And then if you have or need an intervention around mental health, we're right there. So we just make it simple and easy for anyone to access that. And uh, Eric alluded to, we've had meetings all day, all day, man, about folks really understanding like our employees need this, our patients need this. Um, Mental health is no longer a thing that's kind of taboo in the background. More people are actually saying, hey, I need help. Um, And Evolve MD has been uh, at the forefront of figuring out how to do that in a really um, accessible way. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Like for the, the, in the minds of everybody. So, you know, I'm a co-owner of our, of our agency and um, you know, like we're constantly trying to take a pulse and trying to understand where our employees are, because this is hard for us. COVID has been hard for us. So it's also been hard for them. Like it's, it doesn't, you know, none of us are living in an isolated situation right now. Um, and, and just, just, in general. I mean, you talked about, uh, Eric, you talked about your dad and my dad was on all kinds of medications and he went through like a two year period where he didn't know it, but he was super depressed. Mm-hmm. He was very depressed. He like woke up at nine or 10, didn't wash his hair. Like, and, and they like, didn't know what was wrong. And then all of a sudden they went to the doctor and like, Mark, you're depressed. And it kind of like clicked. And he's like, well, I've never been depressed. Um, you know, my d- is a different age where, you know, that might not be something that uh, was op- openly talked about even even for people that got to his age, but uh, you know he got the right help and the right medication, and the right you know mix for him, and um, really kind of changed changed his last you know years there. Um, so I, th- I think that's a, a really interesting point. I think you guys have done you know Eric, you mentioned entrepreneurs. Like if it's if if you think if you haven't thought about quitting, then it, it hasn't been hard enough, or it hasn't been like the right thing for you. Um, I think with your foundation that you guys have gone through that have really put yourselves through it to put yourselves in a good position right now. Um, Centauri, you mentioned businesses are thinking about it. Are you guys also targeting, uh, so my understanding was you guys were targeting healthcare providers. So primary care, is there a model that you're looking at for the future that businesses, uh, corporations can look at hiring you or, or using your services to, uh, provide this for their employees? I'm really excited to hear the answer to this, this question, by the way, Centauri. So oh, you want you me to answer it? Um, I, oh, perfect. <laughs> well, I, when I was saying that about employees, I was more so talking from the health system perspective. So what we're seeing with um, a, lot of our, um, a lot of our clients and customers is that they're saying, hey, our patients need this, but also the doctors need it. So they're going through, as you said, the doctors are going through a lot um, during COVID. They are also have so much press pressure um, and stress. And you, you've seen all the articles around just everyone, every doctor is like, I'm just tired. Um, And so what when I meant from an employee standpoint is that we're looking at the employees of the health system as our patients and and, and, and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
you guys are you guys are on a good run right now. You guys have uh, clearly built a great product. People are seeing the value. What a you know f- maybe Eric from a sales perspective, you know what does it look like? So it was you, uh, you know, knocking on doors, picking up the phone. What does the next like five years look like? Are you building out a sales team? And talk talk to me about that process or like what your beliefs are in terms of how you know maybe not necessarily sales in your terms, but you know building out a sales team and and what you guys plan to do in the next few years. Um, yeah, so you know I, I'll start with sales and marketing because I think it's pretty straightforward. You know we've been really fortunate up until this point in time where we've built some momentum in our community and then we've taken advantage of that momentum um, and we've successfully grown um, our market. Um, now the focus is shifting not only to increasing our market share here in Arizona but expanding outside. So um, we are going to take a, a pretty traditional um, sales and marketing approach. Obviously, Centauri is leading up the bulk of that charge, uh, which includes rebranding our organization, uh, changing the way that we look online, um, you know, really just taking um, all of the things that we've put off to the side as we focus on growth and operationalizing and, um, you know, really professionalizing. So, um, so beyond that, really, we, we have engaged uh, a national uh, sales organization, a really sharp group of three individuals that are going to head up our, call it our institutional sales, which are going to focus on large and mid-sized health systems. And, and these guys um, really have a, a great uh, background for um, uh, not only having existing relationships, but selling within those markets. Now, what does that all lead to? Um, you know, we're going to grow uh, significantly. Um, but what I would rather focus on is, you know, where do we see this thing going? And I think from the start, we always knew we wanted to be a certain size as an organization, but more so we felt like we could deliver certain things to our stakeholders and, you know, stakeholders can mean a lot of different things for us. It means our number one, our employees, uh, number two, our customers and, and number three and our patients and not necessarily in that order, but, um, you know, we really saw, this particular solution and how to operationalize it in reverse, right? It's like most people look at this and say, okay, there's a market out there. Let's go take advantage of it. You know, we knew the market was there. Uh, the secret sauce was really how to operationalize it. And it really all focused around the people you brought into the organization and not just brought in, but developed and retained. And so we've placed a lot of focus on bringing the right folks into organization, developing them both personally and professionally because we felt like if we could put them in a good place, um, they would be satisfied, they would be happy. And as a result, the product that they put out, i.e. counseling or case management services would be exceptional. And so we really, although the end product is important to us, we really focused on kind of how to build up to that. Yeah. And so I think, where do we get organizationally in the next five years? We're substantially larger. Uh, We are outside of the state of Arizona and outside the Southwestern US. uh, we have a lot more employees uh, by by a significant multiple. Um, but at the end of the day, the experience that our employees have, that our customers have, and our patients have, is going to continue to get better. I mean, I look at what we're able to do now with, you know, called bootstrapping it. And I imagine where we're going to be when we have a significant revenue stream and we're dumping the bulk of that back and reinvesting in the organization. And it's really exciting because it's going to lead to a lot of really positive things for our employees and the patients we serve. 
I would, and Eric, I would add, um, one of the, the, the hallmark um, kind of features of Evolved MD is the culture here. And so I did some stakeholder interviews with both our, our employees, so our internal, internal stakeholders and then our customers external. And it all came back to how we treat our employees and how they show up uh, at each of their practices. Um, and I would also add that we are, um, we in that came out this quote that someone said, you guys could grow five times faster and still be fine. And that was coming from one of our customers who's excited for us to expand this because they know that we can do it well. Uh, but I think what we're really focusing on now is how do you do it well, right? So if we're scaling and growing our team um, to be twice as big and twice as many customers, how do you keep the quality uh, and how do you do that right? And so a big piece of my portfolio as long as and with Eric and Steve is scaling but doing it in the right way. And so if you have any you know, tips on that, we'd, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, what about, so you guys both talk, touched on this and it seems like you wanna build a company that um, the employees you know, feel, feel it, like they know you are care, you care about them, your, your customers know you care about your employees with, with, with kind of this age of, of COVID and on and off remote. You know, you've you've consciously made an effort to build up a company culture. What are, what are you gonna? What are your thoughts around 2021? Where sometimes you're gonna be in the office, sometimes you might not be. I mean, we there's supposed to be a vaccine coming, but who knows what actually is gonna happen? Um, how do you plan to kind of expand and build this company culture that's been so important to you uh, with so much uncertainty of of really COVID? You want to take the first swipe at that centauri because it's a really complex question. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's um, it's super complex, but I think every organization did this kind of like um, they reacted and did, did a hodgepodge of things, right? But there was never any intention. I think what we can do, and we I've, I've seen this in the customer and employee surveys, is name it. Like once you name it, making it an agenda item, make it something that it's institutionalized, then you can get ahead of it. So I'm thinking, how do we create a framework so that we are flexible no matter what? If if it turns on the dime and in March we have to go back to being completely um, quarantined, we should have infrastructure in place that says, all right, this is what we do and this is how we maintain culture. I think there's just not been any time to really process on the best ways to do that. So I think the big piece is in Q1, focusing on what are the mechanisms to keep folks engaged, whether that's virtually or in person and just spending the intentional time to do that. Yeah, and I and I and I, the only thing I would add to that is, you know, you've got to look at creative ways to bring people together in a safe environment, right? I think human connectivity is really vitally important. I think it's one of the main drivers between with prevalence rates increasing during the COVID era. And so, you know, we're gonna be thoughtful and we're gonna prioritize safety, but we're gonna bring our people together. Um, whether that's small groups outdoors, uh, whether it's virtual formats, uh, whether it's us just getting out and pounding the pavement and getting out in the field. And, um, but, but human connectivity is vitally important and it's what we focus on. And, we just think that whether it's Centauri or I with an employee or whether it's one of our providers with a patient, being in person is the best fit. So as soon as we feel like we have a safe environment to do that, we're going we're gonna to get back at it. Um, and we're not going to be afraid to do it because we're going to establish good protocol, good procedures, and we're going to follow. It's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, I think you hit a lot of good points there. I mean, if, if, it's, if there's protocols, everyone knows, that everyone feels safe. And they feel like this is something that they are comfortable doing. And that kind of starts with the, you know, the stage of having the process. We're taking it seriously. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be outside, small groups, you know, be, be, be conscious of it. So I think you guys are on the right path. 
Um, we are out of time. I want to thank you, Eric Centauri. You guys have been great. Um, you know, everyone, we'll put we'll put links to your website um, and your LinkedIn's if that's okay on the show notes there. Um, so I want to thank you guys and and you know it's very admirable what you are what you are doing and and you know I've I've known Steve for a couple of years through a mutual friend and hearing what what you guys were doing a couple of years ago um, it was just kind of you know again before like you said before it got uh, where people were talking about it more and it was it just I, I just knew it was something that was important and impactful and hoping it could take off and people would see the value so I'm glad it is because the more people you guys can help the better we all. We, we all are. Yeah, thank you, uh, Alex, for having us on. And thank you for highlighting uh, what we're doing. And uh, yeah, have a good 2020 and 2021. Yeah, yeah. Let's, everyone's <laughs> excited for 2021, even though it might be a lot of the same. <laughs> might be a lot of the same. <laughs> yeah. All, all right, right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Today was a fun episode on the podcast because the first time I had two guests and I know that might not seem like a big deal, but it's, it's certainly a different dynamic when you're trying to ask different questions and get different people involved. And I think I couldn't think of better people to have on there. I mean, Centauri uh, is, you know, used to leadership groups. He's, he's, he's led and uh, you know, he's the director of strategy and leading strategy for Evolved MD and understanding this and Eric, uh, you know, with his experience and, and, you know, being the founder, one of the founders and managing directors, I couldn't have asked for better guests. And really, the topics that we talked about, um, I, I think, I think there's a few takeaways for me. And one is, it always comes back to the story and your personal experiences. And Eric talked about that, you know, with his father and where he he got that inspiration for an idea for a business, and which led to you know, going through this trial period of prescriptions and, and, and pharmacies, which then, you know, leading to what they are now for, for, for mental and health services. Um, and I think that, I think that just kind of brings it back to when you're a sales and marketer, uh, when you're starting up a business, it always comes to like, what are you passionate about? What problems do you see and how can you solve them? But for marketers and for sales, like that, we have to remember that it, people people buy on emotion people buy on um on how they connect emotionally or to a story and then they back that up with data it's always important to connect that to your messaging is is what's that personal story um the other is is what an amazing product and service they offer um you know there's a lot of people that you know we've learned in 2020 that Mental mental health is ex- one of those is extremely important. It's it's something that we all I think everybody probably dealt with, suffered with, experienced in 2020. Um, I know I personally did, and without some personal outlets, or you know maybe I needed help at certain times, and and I had friends or or coworkers or family members that I leaned on. Um, but being able to offering those services to the providers in Arizona and and really something that I think is is important. Um, you know, obviously it's outside of sales and marketing, but still something that's extremely important for all of us. Um, so I want to thank them very much for joining us on the show uh, for for this episode. And tune in, you know, next time we will continue to have great guests. Uh, you know, as we roll out in 2021, we'll be, you know, adding, adding some more content, adding some more things here to the podcast. So keep your eyes and ears out. Thanks, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to the B2B Growth Marketer Podcast hosted by me, Alex Mead. The B2B Growth Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Beacons Point. Beacons Point is a growth marketing agency that creates a video-first content approach to attract the right customer and deliver the message at the right time. Find out more at beaconspoint.com. This week's episode is produced by Summer Myers. Thanks for listening. See you next time.